Did you know VIP season ticket subscribers have access to this workshop and hundreds more in streaming video, MP3 download, audio CD, executive white paper summary, and podcast formats? Visit vip.dealersedge.com for more information. Welcome to this Dealer's Edge online training program featuring Christine Andrews and Rob Campbell with a workshop titled The Dealership Controller Wow Factor, Five Surefire Ways to Create Quick Store-Wide Improvements. Rob Campbell is a dealership analyst and Christine Andrews is a consultant, and both are with Witham Smith & Brown. Christine's responsibilities include advising dealership clients on issues involving financial analysis and controls. I'm Mike Bowers with Dealer's Edge. As someone who enjoys working with numbers and analyzing financial reports, I'm sometimes distressed at the way office managers, controllers, and chief financial officers are regarded in many dealerships. And that's a shame because these folks have a lot to offer when it comes to suggesting ways to streamline dealership operations and boost profits. Now, some administrative managers have managed to rise above the stereotype of the bean counter to become key players in the dealership. So what do they know and how do they do it? Today we'll see that keeping track of the dealership's monies while an important job, the exceptional controllers, those who understand what we call the wow factor, do much more. We'll learn some things that you can implement today to bring quick bottom line improvement. For instance, we'll examine the most useful tools the dealership has to maintain profits and we'll consider ways that financial managers can help other department managers improve their profit performance. We'll take a look at the murky world of accruals and see how they impact the bottom line, and we'll check to see if any real profits are hiding on the balance sheet. So if you're a dealership controller, CFO, or other manager with financial responsibilities, you know your role goes well beyond merely tracking the numbers. You also need to know which numbers deserve more of your attention. Joining us today to share their experience and expertise are Christine Andrews and Rob Campbell from Witham Smith and Brown. Policy expenses, things that people are paid on, mm -hmm. uh, that they're using what really is dealer money for special circumstances uh, for everyday transaction, and again, just starting it. Mike, we are halfway through on our first point. I know we labored that a little bit, but I wanted just to see if there's any questions. And again, questions on anything to do with the office, uh, we're happy to take them if you have anything coming in. Okay. Uh, first question is, is uh, actually is a little bit off topic. Uh, so if you're a dealer or a general manager and you need to hire a controller or you want to promote somebody from within, what types of experience should you look for in that person? Um, boy, Chris, you, you go first and then I'll, I'll fill in. Well, obviously, promoting from within is usually easier if, you know, if somebody has enough, like if they're a second or because the, the experience of, of working under each shingle, you know, because it is a bit unique, the automotive, you know, obviously accounting background, but, you know, I've seen all different types of people work. You know, I've seen people come in through banking or, but, 
but I, what really seems to work the best is when somebody has started within the dealership and worked their way up. Um, I think so, too, because they have the most familiarity with with going on there. But what are some things I would look at? Um, have they worked with a similar brand? That would be a big plus. It, uh, none of these things are necessary, and it doesn't guarantee success. Have they worked with a similar brand? That would be great. Have they worked with my DMS? That would be super. Um, one of the reasons why I find when we have office managers come in that are not familiar with the brand and the DMS, they get very frustrated very quickly, and right. it starts to go downhill. I want somebody that um, is really good working with people because this person needs to be able to build a team and get everybody along, but I also need them to have a backbone more than anything. They gotta be, the office sets the tone. Don't, you know, don't let the customer work you and then come in here and try to work me on a deal. It's going to be posted the way it's supposed to be posted. We don't lie about income or things like that. We do the, the right things. That's that's the biggest one. And um, yeah, I'm trying to think of other people that are successful. Every top, top office manager I've ever dealt with has been there forever and worked their way up for the, through that store. True, yeah, Chris? Yeah, I, I agree. It, it just, it seems to work best, but hey, listen, you know, it, it, other things can work yeah. as well. Okay, anything All else, right. Mike? Uh, uh, you've used the term non-scheduled assets a few times or non-scheduled accounts, mm -hmm. uh, again, what, what's the definition of a non-scheduled account, and uh, could you maybe give us a few examples? Sure. I'll, I'll, um, I'll start off on that one. So um, usually a majority of our accounts are controlled, and they're scheduled by a control number, so you know you know, any, anything that's set up will be relieved. Warranty claims by right. our own number. Uh, customer receivables by the customer's number. AP by the AP vendor's number. Right. Stuff. However, there are traditionally other accounts that we don't use on a regular basis, so we may not. We just might post the activity uncontrolled. So you see the activity go in or out without any control, so you have to be able to identify what the ending balance is. A perfect example is sales tax. There, sales tax is not scheduled, so every month you should really be just scanning that general ledger activity to make sure that something doesn't get posted there that shouldn't be. A perfect example would be like if you're going through source, let's say on Reynolds, I think it's source three is the repair orders, and we see that most of our repair orders, the liability is between $20 and $80, and all of a sudden I have a $5,000 liability. I definitely want to drill into that and find out exactly, like I, I doubt that I have a repair order that that's so large, right. um, and make sure that something didn't get posted there incorrectly because we could pay that in error. Yeah, so it would be an account that has uncontrolled post because there's no control number, because we don't need to clear them individually. Um, sales tax is a perfect example. We collect tax on 1,000 transactions all month long, and then we just make one payment. That's always interesting, Chris, because I always think uh, state sales tax auditors miss the boat by never checking the journals on the account. That's the first thing they do. So this pack is, is, a, is another example. WIP is never scheduled because you'd have to clear out the payments uh, by our own number, by you know the, the hours they paid. So hopefully that answers it for them. Okay. All right. Thank you. Coupons. Coupons and service. Are they cost of sale or a marketing expense? Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, it, what matters is um, how is the person paid and whether that is impacting their pay or not, and whether if we put it as advertising, we are not deluding ourselves to think about how good our grosses are because it's not really truly your gross. I personally prefer it in advertising because I can track it and monitor it better than just throwing it in cost of sale and it getting swallowed up. 
but I, I just want to make sure that we're not being delusional about that, and I want to make sure that people are paid with that discount included into there. And what we've seen happen too, if somebody does want to put it in cost of sale, you can still put it in cost of sale, but maybe create an account that will pull to the same line, and maybe you'll just put a prefix after it or whatever if you want to track it. So that I've seen that happen as well, where people do want to keep it in the cost of sale, but they do want to track it as well. And as always, the big thing for most of our DMSs, um, discounts that are specially taken as miscellaneous items below the line usually are not part of the calculation on departmental reports, like service advisor performance reports. So if you're paying off those reports and not uh, off of um, you know, the financial statement or what's really there, uh, you're probably over commissioning people. Okay. Uh, we also have a suggestion from Cheryl in the audience. Uh, hey. Cheryl says she's, she's found that if she has an asset or liability account that's not scheduled, it's a good idea to run the monthly detail for those accounts to make sure that nothing gets posted there in error. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that, that would be awesome. That, I, I, would love I to do hear. that. Chris yeah. does that because she's anal. I actually just look at the sources. If there's a source that doesn't seem right to me on a non-scheduled asset account, I'll, I'll dig into it. Then. I won't look at the detail, but I'll look at the sources. No, I think, so. Cheryl, that's an excellent idea. All right. Um, earlier point you made uh, is a question. Uh, we suggested uh, posting an expense uh, to policy for a current month repair order uh, for a current month sale, a current month deal. Did, is that what we said? <laughs> okay, go ahead. Okay, and the sales manager gets paid on gross. Uh, okay. Sales, sales manager gets paid on gross only. So okay. shouldn't, whatever that expense was, shouldn't that hit cost of sale rather than policy? Yes. I, I, I don't know. If, I, I think I was assuming that it was a prior month activity. Okay. But if it was same month, you know, same vehicle, yeah, absolutely. Either, either A, I'm changing this pay plan so policies included, which a majority of our stores would be, or I'm making sure that hits cost of sale. Okay. Uh, another question. Um, do you recommend not adjusting documents and instead making the correction on a journal entry? Not adjusting documents and make the correction on a journal. I don't know if they mean like deals yeah, or... No, I know what they mean. So what they do is they go in and you revert, in other words, you make the adjustment right to oh. a particular document. And I see that as more, that is more common than a journal entry. Mm -hmm. If you're using journal entries though, make sure that you're controlling them. That's very important so that you have some sort of, you know, um, control whether they're, you know, numerical or somebody's approving them. but. I see most dealerships are making the adjustment in the transaction. I remember when journal entries was like so taboo because it's a golden pencil. You can do whatever you want with it. Uh, but anymore, man, dealerships are a little crazy with their journal entries. And so I'm with Chris. I, I'm I'm a skittish. Skittish. As long you know, and in some systems there isn't a journal. I think a dealer track. It's there. You don't always see the journal. So some sometimes it's difficult to see the adjustment that's made to. But when you pull up the transaction, it's right there for you, and you can see the adjustment. Anything uh, else? Question on accruals, and that is, who, does, who controls the accruals? Who decides 
you know, how much money goes into an accrual account? Is that the general manager or the controller, or is there some standard percentage that you use? For my source, I would say it's, it's almost the general manager, but they're working with sales management. So they know at the end of the month, I mean, everybody, if, if, if you have a reasonable pay plan, knows what they made that month, and they're going to get paid by the 10th of next month. So we should be able to, get, you know, everybody gets together. All right, Rob's going to get a $4,000 bonus. Chris is going to get a $3,000 bonus. They put that all together. They give it to the office manager or the payroll person and says, here's our accrual for sales commissions and bonuses. Okay. Right? So, I mean, yeah. That's the way I always see it. All right, so general, it's, the general manager has a good bit of control general, over that. Gen, general manager or senior sales manager, general sales manager, somebody in that area. Okay. Uh, I have been told to accrue vacation, uh, a vacation for employees who are on salary. Uh, that is their paid vacation. However, this creates a large monthly expense for something that gets used 99% of the time. Do you have any suggestions for handling that? I'm trying to think of what they're saying. So if I know my vacation budget for all of my salary people is $100,000 this year, or $120,000 this year, I would do $10,000 a month all the time, even though I know everybody's going to use it in June and July and December. I, I mean, that, I know that's the way it, it expends, but I, w I would rather have it evened out over the month, wouldn't you, Chris? Yes, but the, I think the point that they're making, and I, I just want to make sure I'm following this, is the point they're making is that it's a salaried employee. They're, they're, the expense is going to go from one line to a different line. So they're saying that person would have been paid for the, whether it's through, I think if you're tracking how much time somebody's getting for vacation, it's a good idea. but. I'm not sure that I'm following the question properly because okay. the expense is going to be there one way or the other. They're going to pay them under a vacation or they're going to be paid their salary. They're going to get paid that week. But generally, we do see, P we do see dealerships. Um, they, are, they do want to track the amount of money that they're paying for vacation. So even though they're salaried, they are putting it into that accrual and just taking it out. And i got to be honest with you, a lot of our stores do it um, for tax reasons, too. So over a crew, their stuff until we make them wipe it out. Okay. Uh, all right. So if that, uh, Sean, if that, if that answered your question, fine. If not, if you wanted to rephrase the question uh, for Rob and Chris, uh, please go ahead and do that and resubmit it. And uh, another question, do you know what the CDK trend analysis report function is called? Uh, I, I do, but it's just really the trend analysis. It's right above um, where uh, Enhanced Report Generator is, right by the MIS, over in the little Analyze section. So in Drive, if you do the little pie chart and click on that and scroll all the way up, you'll see a trend analysis up there. Okay. Uh, all right, uh, John, did you get any, any other questions? No, I'm clear. Okay, uh, then that is the end of the questions that I have, uh, and therefore the end of our program today, and looks like we ended pretty much right on time. Um, I wanted to thank everybody for joining us today. Uh, we had a good-sized crowd, and uh, I know it's not easy to take time off from your dealership day, but we appreciate you spending it with us. also like to thank, especially thank, uh, Christine Andrews and Rob Campbell, uh, for their, taking their time today 
for sharing their expertise and experience with us uh, and for putting today's workshop together. Thank you very much, guys. We're more than happy to do it, Mike, anytime. Okay. Thank you. All right. All right. And with that, uh, this is Mike Bowers with Dealer's Edge, so we'll be signing off for this week. Hope you can join us again for our next program.